Okay, guys, welcome back to your last and final KOH update. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by Cody. I want to be introduced as the driver. As the KOH two-time <laughs> finishing driver, Cody Willenberg. What's up? Mr. One-time co-driver, finisher, and long-leg extraordinaire. Olympic marathon winner. Randy. What's happening? Crew chief and uh, all-around crew grandpa. Shock expert. And shock expert, Nate. G'day, mate. (laughs) And the demoted videographer (laughs) and resident uh, comedian, Mr. Dylan. What's going on, guys? Okay, so, well, we finished. So we, we did. Um, today was a very long day, but I don't, I don't think it feels any longer than it did last year. You know, I, I was thinking about that when we were out on the race course. I feel like last year I was more like nervous, and I feel like the race took longer. But we actually took longer this year than last year. I think. I mean, we we didn't. No way, we because just, we finished after dark last year. Oh wow. Um, maybe it was I was a little bit more familiar with the area and where we were going and what we had to go through. Um, I remember getting up Jack, which was a disaster, but <laughs> where I made the highlight reel flipping upside down. But um, I remember getting up Jack and I was like, Randy, I think we're like we're like smooth sailing after this because none of the other rock sections were nothing that wasn't a weekend of fun riding, really. Yep. So and I wasn't going to tell him that he was wrong. But there was plenty of rocks after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all in all, um, it went pretty good. Uh, first off, we want to say thank you to everybody back home who were sending. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys got, but I got message after message from people at home saying, good luck, watching you. Hey, how's Cody doing? I mean, thank you all so much for having our backs back home. It really meant a lot to be out there. And knowing that you guys back home were really rooting for us. So thank you. Well, yeah. And and for me, that's like a whole nother level. I mean, there's people that I uh, communicate with, I will say, you know, Um, and I'm getting messages from them. Congratulations. How are you doing? I got when we stopped, we're broke. I like looked at my phone because I had 5G in the middle of the rocks. I don't know how that worked. out. Amazing. But uh, I had like 15 text messages like, what happened? You stopped moving. What's going on? Like, I don't I talk. I don't hardly ever talk to these people. So I thought it was neat. The people that followed this journey and uh, and uh, you know kind of said what we were up to and it's pretty surprising, I guess. So we didn't get a podcast out yesterday, and we're about to tell you why. Um, we've told you before that there's a lot of work that goes into this race, and part of every race is one final checkover before race day. So we recorded the day before yesterday, right? Correct. After. We got through um, tech inspection, which tech inspection is for a day of venture out here. It's, it's you go back and forth through the vendor area, different people tech different check different things, and uh, took us quite the day. So we did we did a had lunch, recorded a podcast, and then started race prep. And race prep's only half of it. I mean, there's a whole other half of that is is getting tools to the pits and de- deciding what pit is going to have what parts and so on and so forth. You know. Um, Highlifter graciously enough gave us a whole extra set of control arms, so we had to decide where are we going to put those. At what pit would we need those the most? Or um, you know, and that's just guessing, absolute guessing. Right, and uh, then we don't have an unlimited budget or vehicles, and 
this year especially, the distance between pit stops was a real thing. Yeah, didn't you have an hour getting so, one to one? And, one? and that was the thing. I got in my Pro XP this morning at 7 a.m. and took off out of Hammertown. And it was longer than that because I think we actually left at about 7.15. And you left the line at about 8.10. And we weren't set up at the pit five minutes when you rolled in. Yeah, and I, I, I do remember I was walking up to the starting line where uh, I think Nate drove the car up there, and you were leaving to go to the pit. We hadn't even left yet. And uh, what I thought was a, was a Dylan made a really good point. Like, you know, we qualified so well. Like, we pulled up there and took off. Like, there was really no downtime, no waiting this year. And uh, I was getting real nervous to be there for you when you got through that pit. So. And we needed you. I mean, um, we – so basically there was RP1, which is remote pit one, main pit, which is like at the start-finish line for everyone who watched on the on the big screen, and then RP2, which is a pit, um, I would say, between the rocks and the desert. And this year was kind of unique. They let you go through RP2 all three times. There was basically – it came back in RP2 three times, and you could choose it any time or no times or whatever. So we had planned to – blow past rp1 which we i think we briefly talked about uh the fuel situation and how close we were going to be on fuel but i got a I, had, I got a tire something got a tire um somewhere i mean i don't know, a mile or two miles out how long do you think we went on a flat randy it was probably right around a mile and and like like we were talking about we had very very limited stuff out there we didn't bring a jack we didn't bring you know half of the safety gear for fueling it was more of a contingency type thing and it was a good thing we were there because like you said you had that flat tire and um it goes back to the the racing thing i mean any any form of motorsport it seems like people are are just willing to be helpful and friendly and we were able to borrow a jack and an impact from another team that was there and we got you back on the on the race course just right away yeah it was quick uh i remember pulling in kind of thinking man these guys have nothing they don't think they have a jack we had a jack on the car we could have changed the tire ourselves out in the desert but i was that close i knew you guys had one so we just ran it on in and uh and how'd you guys change it and when he says ran it on in we never slowed race pace on a flat tire I think we've seen 72, 74 mile an hour on a flat tire. Which that's something to say about those M2s that you're running. I mean, we, we inspected it when we got it back, and it, it looks like you could pump air in it and keep going. I mean, it looks just fine. Normally, on a tire that of, of that construction, you run it even that long at a slow pace. They're pretty much junk and falling off the wheel. But this was raced 60 miles an hour for a whole mile no damage at all yeah normally whenever you get a tire you feel it you know like oh you bounced off a rock wrong you kind of feel that you got it and i don't know i don't i don't know i couldn't i don't know where i did that one at i want to look at the tire to see how it was cut where it's cut at um and uh check it out but you're right that those tires are phenomenal we beat on those on every single vehicle out here this week um absolutely just beat on them to death and just do an absolute kick-ass job and the traction that tire gives you in the rocks and in the sand and even in the mud it's just a great tire so going back to last night um we were discussing pit strategy who goes where what tools and what not to bring and we started doing a nut and bolt on the car which what that essentially is is you know anything that happens 
in a race is completely different from your day-to-day. I mean, my Pro XP is essentially the same construction as your race car, and it's got 1,500 miles on it, and I've never checked a shock bolt. And in a race, they either come loose or break just because of how much stress it's put in in a race situation. Yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right there. And uh, we, well, a prime example, we went and uh, did some, everyone knows we've, we've been battling suspension all week, all, all last two weeks, never could get the car to settle out, settle out in the rough. Um, Nate kind of dialed it in and got it knocked out of the park. Randy can kind of explain it the best. Uh, I think he said something when we were racing. We were uh, trying to drive a speedboat in the desert or in the ocean. Yeah, you were talking about how good the shocks actually felt. And I think, yeah, I think we were trying to tune shocks. Basically, it's like tuning a a boat in the ocean that you're going to run in a lake. Yeah, you know, and once we got out there in the, the, like, you know, we were were tuning in some deep stuff. Um, That's where everyone tells you to go tune, right? So we're tuning in some deep stuff and just couldn't get through it. And we went out there in the lake bed, and you know, we were hauling. When we, it was, it was, they were perfect. But coming in from that last night, at dark, right before the driver's meeting, um, I get back in. We broke a lower front shock bolt. Which, which is a thing on Polaris. I've watched several people on the live stream that said they had some shock bolt issues on a Polaris. Yeah, circling back to the shock tuning. Um, yesterday, prep day, Cody was adamant about he did not want to be in a car at all yesterday right so we didn't have that choice we still had to go out yesterday afternoon after tech beat the crap out of cody and the car and randy and we didn't get where we wanted to be and then we came in and changed some things and that our our changes were blind we never tested those changes after those changes until the race started yeah, you know, and what Nate's, Nate's saying is exactly right. I, w- I was honestly, like, upset and a little bit nervous about running the desert at that speed because the car was handling so terrible. Um, and we checked a few things over last night, found out. I, I had asked Nate um, yesterday while shock tuning, I wanted another quarter inch of toe in the front to settle the car down. And they don't steer as quick when you do that um, initially. And he's a, it's already there. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it is, but I believe him, I trust him, so it is, you know. And we got in the tent last night, checking some things over, and uh, our toe was way out of whack. And I had a uh, put a new steering rack on the car, and the steering rack had some issues with it, so we ended up having to pull it off and throw a stock one back on it. And this was by this time, man, it's probably I'm, ten o'clock. I'm getting tools out. I'm packing machines up. Sam's, you know driving bearings and carriers and uh we're trying to get ready to go and it's 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 midnight before we find out we got to change the steering rack and for anybody that knows cody he left the shock tuning thinking he was gonna run 50 55 (laughs) through the desert and be just fine and we just uh we just got done reviewing some gopro footage of the race he actually got passed for about 0.2 0.2 seconds and then uh, turned on the heat and Randy thought he'd do a good job of slowing Cody down and uh, I don't think that happened. There was multiple conversations about keeping it calm in the desert because Cody is one of the most competitive people I know and probably most people that know Cody know that about him and the joke was made several times about how I'm going to keep it around 55 in the desert and we we're all kind of joking that's going to happen and then Randy said just wait till you get past and 
I think Cody's like, oh, no, no way, no way. We just all rolled our eyes, and then we sit down as soon as the race is over, we pull some GoPro footage, and guess what? That Can-Am come around him, and he poured the beans to her, hit about 70, 75, and come back around that Can-Am. We're all just cracking up laughing in the food trailer. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I think I remember that very distinctly. <clears throat> yeah, we, we stopped for pit one. And as we were gaining speed out of pit one, we finally got to what we were running race pace. And a Can-Am comes around us. And I think I said, like, hey, let's not get stupid. We want to finish this race. Let's drive it, drive it right. It's a long race. I heard you say and, that. And uh, the Can-Am just pulls on us a little bit. Next thing I know, I'm pretty sure the foot hit the floor. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just instinct. You know, we're out here to win and have fun. And, uh, you know, they don't call this the toughest UTV you know, race in the world or the toughest off-road race in the world for no reason. I mean, it truly is. And, you know, some of the things we'll talk about here a little bit later, you'll you'll hear and understand why it is and why it's like that. So I was trying to save the car. The car was hurt. We hurt the car early in the day, unfortunately. Um, cost us a lot of time. And it co- come to a point where you have to choose, do I want to go for a good a good finish or do I want to finish, Right. So when the car's hurt, you have to kind of make the call. What do you want to do? You want to risk it for everything to, to try to get a good finish or just at least drive it across the finish line? And that was tough. There was a section coming home um, out of RP2 the last time when there, the Can-Am was on the lake bed to our, out our left window, and we're running, like, side by side. And he, you're, like, you're like, you're okay. We got the inside. And at this point, we knew the belt was hurt. We knew the front diff was hurt. The brakes were there sometimes and not there others it was on a spare clutch yeah so i was we were trying to bring it home and that guy's on my left window and he's like it's okay you got it you got him on the inside so i we've been maintaining for a while that time about 60 mile an hour he was giving me my rpms i was keeping an eye on bell temp because what happens out here in the rocks is you go through the rocks really slow the rocks are so big and so technical you slip the belt every you know ever so so lightly so then when you do that, the belt's flat-spotted. You get out in the desert at high speed, it'll shred the belt apart. There's lots of vibration at that high speed. Yeah, and I knew the belt was hurt, and I knew I couldn't run high speed. And you can normally see it going going away in RPMs in, a, in belt temperature. So I was keeping – Randy was reading me RPM, read, reading me speed. I was keeping an eye on the belt temp. So we were trying to keep it under control, and it, it hurt letting that guy go around me out there because we could have easily – rolled into it a little deeper and uh, kept him kept him behind us the the car is not lacking for power that is for sure no definitely not so the steering uh rack that we changed um we ended up putting a spare one on that we had uh-huh. and for anyone that's ever worked on on anything mechanical let alone a side-by-side knows that it's not just straight up easy and straightforward fasteners are sometimes difficult to get to and you drop your 10 millimeter socket or the or the nut falls you know in the frame rail and you know we haven't been very dutiful on uh our sleep schedules out here uh we've mentioned before that we stay up late playing with rc cars on the dining room table and we're having a few adult beverages and stuff so we're not necessarily well rested every morning to begin with um so that exhaustion kind of just adds an extra level of difficulty to any mechanical process. So through a couple different um, of our own mistakes, as well as just 
you know stuff that happens uh we didn't get the car actually prepped um until super late but we did get everything done i mean we we put all new shock bolts in it because that was a concern it was super early sam <laughs> okay i'm sorry super early we, we kept making the joke that uh in the morning in the morning we're gonna have this for breakfast or that and nate kept reminding us so you mean just like in two hours like, I- I remember looking before, so I was out in the tent. I had everything, all the tools packed. The rigs were kind of ready to go, and I was kind of just standing around because these guys had it under control. And I was like, you know, I've got to drive a ten-hour race tomorrow, and it's it's it was at least one by that oh, yeah. time. And uh, I remember looking over at Dylan. He was working on the passenger side of the car. Someone else was working on the driver. So like Dylan was waiting for the guy on the driver's side to do something. He was like sleeping across the tire. Like his eyes were closed. He's hugging the tire. Like, I was like, dude, he's sleeping right there. So we, we basically had to force you and Ro- and Randy out of the tent. Like, you guys go get a couple hours of shut-eye. Like, you guys have a lot more work to do tomorrow than we do. So You know, and that, that you did, and I try my best to um, let that happen. But me, I may not always appear to be the kind of guy that's, like, in the middle of it all the time. But it, I want to be, you know, like, I want to be there and... I knew you guys were crew chiefing and working on it, and I, I trusted your work. But, like, I remember laying in bed, and I could feel the steps. The camper is hooked to the, the stacker still where they were working, and I could feel every time you'd walk in and out of the in and out of the stacker, and I was thinking, man, I, I want to get up and go back out there. Like, nope, I can't do that. Can't do that. So, anyway. And then, so it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning-ish by the time I finally get to sleep. And, you know, I get, I, you guys all know me, I'm on my phone all the time, lots of phone calls and things like that. And every day I've been out here, it seems like someone calls me at six o'clock Illinois time, which is four o'clock in the morning our time. Absolutely. So like, just get to sleep, get a couple phone calls at like four in the morning. And it was just one of those days. So it's a race day. And now we're shooting this and uh, it's nine o'clock at night. We're probably having an early night tonight. Yeah, we're ready for bed. We're ready for bed for sure. So we've been out blasting through the desert all of us have all day going back and forth pit to pit and then obviously you in the race so sam had to like drive around look for a tire he lost off the back of razor today so i would probably guess i've got almost as many miles in today as you about time put some miles on that machine you know well, like it's the only time it gets miles put on is out yeah. here in the desert like we me and sam used to buy new machines like together every couple of years and i don't know since 20 sam hasn't bought a new one i think i've had three since then and passed all his <laughs> passed his current one up in mileage every time yeah that's probably true so basically um long story short we got all the race prep finished and uh took a two-hour nap woke up and got started uh, like I said, Jason and I had to take a... Uh, how many miles was that, Jason, do you think? So it's 35 miles through the desert, but it's like 50-something if you take the long way on the road or whatever. And it's it's got rollers, it's got sand, it's got dunes, it's, 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 it's everything. It's quite the trip through the desert, so about an hour and a you know hour and 10 hour and 20 minute drive to get there just in time for the pit drive straight back and our plan was to go straight to the second remote pit because that's about a two hour hike from one end of the race court to the complete other and uh our comms cannot reach you know 20 30 miles through the desert around mountains 
and we're just kind of bebopping through the desert, Jason and I, just jamming out to a little tunage. And my phone rings, and I'm aggravated at this point because everyone knows I'm on vacation, and I'm out here busy, and my phone keeps ringing, keeps ringing, keeps ringing. Works bother me about this or that. Scott wants to know something. You know, Brent wants to know something. I'm like, guys, I'm busy. And it's Peyton. It comes up on my right command, Peyton. I'm like, okay. So I answer, and she says, hey, Cody's got a problem. And this was shortly after we left our remote pit. And my stomach was in my throat because we had just put that new tire on the race car and my mind was going a million miles a minute did i torque it right did they did i do something wrong like they just broke down just out of the pit and turns out that's when they had their clutch issue yeah so you know no expense is really spared building this race car you know you kind of made a good point that we know we don't have an endless budget but at the same time i try to make this an experience where the car shouldn't have any reason to break right like it's not it's, I didn't cut any corners on any parts on the car, right? So it's the best of the best. And we kind of had an experience with a, with a rack that was um, one of the really, really good ones. And then I got the best of the best clutches on the car. And then not only it had those clutches, but I went ahead and bought new ones just because that one had a year's worth of, you know, last year's worth of use on it. And it's a it's an aluminum part. It no issue. So bought brand new clutches and uh, broke them. And... That just goes back to, I had a conversation with a couple customers before I came out here and like, well, well what, what do you mean stuff breaks? And I had to explain that stuff just breaks. And last year we had the knuckle issue. So we put billet knuckles on the car and well, we thought we had that issue fixed, but then what's next? Now we got billet clutches that don't work. So and you can't billet steering rack. And, and, uh, so the, <laughs> the word of the day is billet and, uh, but there's just no end to the amount of prep work that you can do for this race. And we yeah. so we were going, we left RP1. Um, I was really upset that we had to stop and take the tire there. I felt like we were running at a good pace. And I, I was like, I had kind of had in my head how the race was going to go. We were going to miss RP1. We we're going to, we we're going to control ourselves through the desert because really the only problem you have with the desert, if you get in the dust and hit something, um, which we seen a Can-Am completely folded up out there in a rock, dude, just folded up. You know he's running fast in the dust and hit the rock. Can't do that. Um, but uh, in my head was get past RP1, don't take fuel, get all the way around the main, take fuel, take the rocks. We were we knew we were going to winch, and, like, my strategy went all to hell in a hurry because none of that went as planned. We stopped at RP1 to, for a tire change. Right out of RP1, we... Um, we I don't know, we weren't very far out and I thought I broke a belt and we got out changed pulled the clutch cover off and it wasn't a belt the bolts had backed out of the like the plate on the secondary clutch which we found laying in the clutch cover so not a big deal we put four of the six bolts back in two of them had broken at that point four of the six back in and I remember asking Randy on the on the intercom I said Randy do you think we even need to take a clutch like maybe we just have them like change a clutch because i was like we we already changed the tire so we're down on time we just got out of the car to fix the clutch we're down on time like we can't afford the five minutes in a pit for them to put a clutch on the car like how about we just have them give us one just in case we need it like four of the six bolts it'll be all right you know what i'm saying oh yeah 
So we're we're running the car back at race pace, like we're we're running it, and uh, does it again. And I I remember when it did it again, I was like, I, the car wasn't even stopped, and I was like, well, we're done because it broke two the last time. I only had four, probably broke at least another two more. That means two, and that's obviously not enough because four didn't hold. It. And uh, you know, Randy's like, let's get out and look at it. I remember like we didn't even get out of the car in a hurry. I was like, I was so upset, didn't even get through the desert loop. I remember getting out and shutting the door, looking at the car. I was like, "Well, at least it's still pretty." Yeah, yep. So, I mean, that just goes back to tenacity because there's several people that have a issue as severe or minor as what you experienced a couple of times, and just call it. I mean, they just don't have the tenacity to put up with it. So, but when you had your second issue, is when you radioed into Peyton, right? So she calls me and says on your way back stop and grab the special stm clutch tool out of the stacker trailer and meet us at main pit and that we we didn't have that yet okay so you're close but so we we started looking all over the car for bolts that would fit in the clutch right because really nothing on the clutch was broken the bolts were backing out of it well there were some bolts broken off in the holes but other than that, like the, the holes, there were still holes there. And Randy's like, is that exhaust bolt the same? So there's a, the exhaust tip is held on by an Allen headed bolt, similar to what the uh, clutch bolts held on with. And I unscrewed it and I, I initially looked at it. I was like, nope, it's not the same. So Randy's walking all around, all around the car, <laughs> going to take apart the uh, push to pass because he thought it had. <laughs> 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 I did not know that. <laughs> I got you in a little trouble. He goes, he goes, you think we can take apart the push to pass? <laughs> They'll never and, notice. And what the push to pass is, is it's a box that the uh, the race promoter puts in your car, and you can push it if you're in the desert in the dust, and you're going to come up and pass somebody. Because while desert racing, the rule of thumb is, is if you get caught in the desert, you got passed, right? Like, if someone can close the gap and catch you to be in your dust, they're obviously driving faster than you. So... It's a little button you press, and it notifies the car in front of you that, hey, you've been caught, pull over so they can pass you now. It's also pretty cool, just to, since we're talking about it, it does a couple other things, too. Yeah, I'll get to that. So that's a that's a gentleman's rule, let's just say, because we gave, what, a dozen push-to-passes? Yeah. Maybe got one accepted. Um, and then the, the car in front of you can accept or deny your push to pass. Um, they, they can press a button that says accept and then kind of gives you the green light to pass them. Um, a lot of times they'll pull over to the side so you can do so. Uh, we gave, I don't know, a bunch of push to passes. And again, you don't have to accept them. I don't think we ever got pushed to pass, did we? One, one time that I saw on the GoPro. Did we? But yeah. it was so early that you didn't We didn't accept it. it. No, hell no. Never. actually i mean the guy eventually did kind of catch up with us and we kept ahead of him i think for a little bit but uh he must have hit that thing so early because we didn't even see him coming up for several minutes after that you know it's it's unfortunate because people take advantage of it really if it was used in a in a manner that uh was was realistic i think more people would uh, appreciate it but you could be a mile in front of somebody in the desert and someone will give you a push to pass and then you'll pull over, like, where's the guy at? Not coming, not coming. Well, you just let him close the gap on you. Mm-hmm. Then he gives you another push to pass. Well, then you've got to lay him around you, you know. But also what it does is it also um, notifies race ops and competitors where there's dangers at. Like, 
So when we broke our belt, I turned on our um, our, our hazard lights. Hazard essentially. lights, yeah. And basically, it notifies all the competitors coming up to us that hey, someone has broke here. And why that is is you seen on the GPS we were running seventy mile an hour plus across the desert. Like if you come up on somebody that fast parked in the middle of the race course, like it's not going to be a good day for either one of you. So um, it's pretty neat. It shows you where where they're at in reference to where you're going in front of you left of you right of you and how far they are away and then if race ops gets two hazards pushed in one area they'll actually send someone out to the area to make sure you know there's not a medical emergency and things like that which it also does that too and it also do a medical and then you can also text out of the car through race ops for it so like if there's like if you have an emergency or you want to just tell your pit something because you don't have communication and so on and so forth. How does that feature also? So needless, go ahead. Well, going back to the K&M wrapped around the rock, that that also you know, eliminates that situation or at least helps with it to where the K&M doesn't end up wrapped around you in the dust. Sure. And so with that, going back to safety and all that, I think uh, I heard you got to witness some race paces. Some race race pace during your adventures to RP one or uh, on your way back from RP one. Oh yeah, so there's a, a a flat, completely flat, like dry lake bed, that is essentially a skating rink but with traction, and I got to top out the Pro XP. How fast? Uh, I I was showing seventy nine on ride command, which, according to lead nav, was eighty six. Isn't that awesome? It, it, <laughs> it's so it's, badass. It's pretty fast. So, I was referring to wasn't there a couple guys off track that came? Oh here? yeah. So as we're leaving RP one, so ride command in these machines essentially drops a, a blue line on the GPS showing you where you've been. And we kind of got a little lost going in. We found a uh, BLM officer just chilling. She's like, "Hey, just follow this road another mile and a half. You're there. No big deal. It's a." paved gravel road essentially we leave on our same track that we left and we're just kind of cruising you know getting my tunes get tiled in you know and we're just kind of cruising probably 35 40 mile an hour and all of a sudden on my left race car blows by and i freak out like i'm on the race course jason am i on the race course he's like i don't know i don't know so i check right which is normally what you do when you're in a being past situation and all of a sudden on my right another race car zooms past and i'm just flipping out so i drive way up out of the track and then i'm watching these guys do figure eights out in the desert because the race map they they gave us out is obviously just garbage so these guys are out doing figure eights and i about beef it into a ravine because i wasn't <laughs> paying attention to what i was doing as i'm watching these idiot racers go all over the place so anyway back to this clutch thing so yeah, so then I we we radioed in, radioed into main pit um, that we needed a clutch because we now jammed two um, exhaust Allen bolts, which were the wrong thread pitch, into the clutch. They cross threaded is torqued and uh, extremely cross threaded them in there. I think there was at that time there was only three holes left, right? That didn't have broken off bolts in it. One bolt was factory. Two bolts were. Uh, trinity exhaust specials i guess you could say yep and uh, i had radioed into maine and um let everybody know at maine that hey when you come through we need a secondary clutch because our secondary clutch is is no good um 
And I, I figured when I radioed in that was going to be a weird, <laughs> very weird request. It's not something you really need on race course or if you need, like, it's not something that's, like, going bad or, like, has wear. Like, it's either good or bad kind of thing. So I didn't even know where Peyton was at. Uh, was she the one that called you? I had no idea. So Peyton was at the pit, and they had cell phone service, amazingly enough, because they were way far away from Hammertown at the end of the pit. And she's like, here's Dylan. He's going to talk to you. So we're stopped. I'm, I'm talking to Peyton through my helmet on speakerphone. And uh, she says, hey, or Dylan gets on and he's like, hey, you know what the STM clutch tool is? Yes. You know where it's at? Yes. Grab it. Bring it to main pit. And, and so I'm freaking out because I'm, I'm not, I'm done freaking out because I know the problem is not my fault. Um, but then I'm, I'm kind of freaking out because like, that's like Cody just said, that's not a normal thing. Like that is not something that I should have to bring to the pit area. And number two, I shouldn't have had time to go to Maine. I should have been at RP2 waiting on him there. So, okay. So we get back to the camper, we grab the part and we come back to Maine pit and we kind of reconvene with everybody there and figure out what needs to happen. We get a game plan going and the spare STM clutch from the, the old one off the race car we decided was a little bit different. Is that what, go ahead and tell, tell this part of the story, Dylan. Well, it's kind of fun, honestly, from the start, because <laughs> diagnostics is always just fun, especially when it's blind and when Cody comes over and sometimes you just don't know when he yells, I need a secondary clutch. It's like, <laughs> this okay <laughs> does he are does you he really moving? oh yeah like, <laughs> you don't just need a secondary clutch like you said so anyways we assessed that got that figured out and then we kind of just went into okay backup we'll take it off this vehicle if this one doesn't work because i had radioed in at this point that i did not want the same aftermarket clutch i currently had on the car i didn't want it i wanted a i want an oem one and that's an advantage of having a vehicle almost identical to the race vehicle as a pre-runner yes yes as a pre-runner but it wasn't identical but it enough wasn't. and that's when sam derrickson came in clutch no point intended. But <laughs> pun definitely <yeah>. intended <laughs> <laughs> and we robbed his clutch from him um pulled his secondary off cody rolled in just like clockwork i actually was supposed to be fueling the car this year and instead we swapped with jason so i could swap the clutch out Swap the clutch out. I've never in my life seen somebody with in such a good mood. I don't. I still don't know why Cody <laughs> came in. May, maybe because their experience thus far into the race, but he was like hyped no, up. Normally tensions are very high in the pit, and you got to give a guy a lot of grace because he's going to be cussing, screaming, and yelling, and throwing, and spitting, and peeing literally peeing on you while you're in the pit <laughs> and you just got to understand that he's high on adrenaline he's getting the job done and you just got to just disregard any attitude you don't know how happy we were that we made it there yeah so you know we drove 30 miles 30 miles on a clutch with a cross-threaded stainless steel bolt in it not even a hardened bolt so like and i'm talking baby but not really baby we were still running 50 60 mile an hour um and when we cut when we crested that hill uh into into maine i was just so thankful we made it to maine to get the clutch because i knew once we had the clutch we would be back in action again you know we could run 
Yeah, I mean, going back on that, I mean, we already lost the clutch for a second time, and it had four factory bolts out of the six. Now we're trying to go in on two cross-threaded bolts and one factory one. Two cross-threaded stainless, not hard. Yeah, soft stainless, and we crossing fingers. We were call, we were talking to that race car. We were calling it baby. We were telling <laughs> her we were going to do stuff to her. And, <laughs> We were rubbing on the dash. I was. I was rubbing on the dash. Like, come on, please give me an R. Like, I remember one time he called out eight miles to RP1. Um, our Siri did or something through the headset. And I'm like, okay, we just made it 22 miles. Eight more miles. Like, oh, man, that's really only like halfway. But, okay, we got this. We got this. And when we rolled in RP1, like, I, I knew they could get it changed. And I knew we had the parts to do so. And uh, it was just, we got there. I was just so happy to be there. So then... What happened after that? So I'll back up and go a little sidestep. Sam made a comment about me peeing, right? <laughs> so part of the race prep is you got to understand we sit in these cars for 10 hours a day, sometimes 12, depending on what it is, right? Um, you wear a, a catheter, not like an external condom-style catheter that has a hose runs all the way down your leg. And anyone that doesn't know what it's like to literally pee your pants, that's what it feels like you're doing when you're doing it. Um, the first time you do it of the day, it's like really weird. You got to like talk to yourself a lot and like understand that like you're not going to get a wet seat when you do this because it like runs all the way out your leg and I can't do it while like driving. Some people can. So I try to do it when we're stopping and we stopped at one of the pits and I was like, all right guys, I got to go pee. So there's going to be pee run out the floorboard of this thing pretty soon. I was under the car, (laughs) which is where the pee comes out. And uh, I was checking the shock bolts because he radioed in. I think I got a shock bolt loose. Please check it because obviously that's an issue. And uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm laying under the car and I'm like, this mother. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kind of take a step back and all of a sudden there's a stream on the ground I'm like, God dang it. So when that pit mat got folded up to put back in the uh, North Star, I was like, is this the P mat? Because I am not touching. <laughs> <laughs> we I brushed it off with some with some pit sand. I, I normally I try to pull up way off to the side of the pit mat when I do that, so it doesn't go on the pit mat. Because I feel really sorry for you guys that have to, you know, pick that back up afterwards. But let me tell you, man, guys got to go. Guys got to go, and you barely caught the edge. Yeah. And going back before that went way left turn. I feel like, but uh. Racing with a good attitude and a like good mindset like that goes even when things are bad goes so far. I mean it from like us to them to just communication is so much better. I mean it, it makes it fun. Yeah, you, you know, you're exactly right, and uh, that's uh, something that you know I I know that positive vibes you know vibes you know feed feed off of uh, positivity and Randy. Did a great job. There was a couple times I was like, man, we're done. And he's like, no, we're not. No, we're not. So, yeah. So, I ended up racing back to pit one. Hey, or I want to go back to something first. So, I also was wearing that same catheter. And he's right. I could never talk myself into using it. You never, never did. Once. I sweated it out, though. I ain't worried about that. <laughs> yeah. You, you did not have a full bladder. That's for sure. So, yeah. <clears throat> we all left main pit because you were not coming back there again except to finish. Mm-hmm. And we all loaded up and took everything to the second remote pit. Yeah, so the, the way the course set up this year was 30 miles of desert, RP1, remote pit one. Out of that um, was 
50? 50 miles, 55 miles back to Maine. And then out of Maine, you went to the rocks. And then out of the rocks, you had three opportunities to stop at RP2, where we plan on pitting again the third time through. So I went back and dropped off the flat tire, and everybody else booked it out to RP2. Um, ended up catching the North Star Ranger make, going the wrong way towards RP2. First of all, when you say booked it, we were in a North Star Ranger loaded down that's jacked up on its trial run, and it goes... We didn't think it would go that fast, but we found out it would go a little faster on the way back with... Depending on how much weight was in it. Yeah, and determination to see the victory victory <laughs> lane, you know. So when you're talking talk about like good vibes in the pits, these guys brought Starlink out in the middle of the desert with them and set it up off a Honda generator out of the back of the Ranger and had Wi-Fi. It was able to stream the race from the pit. So Elon Musk is a listener, and I would like to personally thank him for <laughs> putting satellites in space so we could have internet at RP2. You know, and, and as a racer, I don't ever get to experience the RP2 thing, because RP2 has always historically been the pit that you guys sit at for six, seven, eight hours, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's in lawn chairs and underneath the sun. Um, this year, the Ranger was there. I don't know what it was like to be there this year, but uh, obviously you had Wi-Fi there, so that had to be a plus. We, we were having a really good time. Yeah, I think the sandwiches tasted better this year with the Wi-Fi, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And everything tastes better with Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we keep touching on this, but the team dynamic that we have, is it's unparalleled. I don't think there's another team on this lake bed that has as much fun as we do. I mean, we're just cutting up, laughing, having a great time out of RP2, and uh, Jason's favorite is the RP. It was what do you call them? RP one or RP two? Doesn't matter. The RP two sandwiches, which is the same thing we take trail riding, but it's Hawaiian rolls cut in half with ham and cheese, and it's super easy to make, super simple. They store well, but for some reason, just that sweet Hawaiian bread and just the experience of where you're at, they're just the most delicious gourmet thing you could ever eat. Jason talks about those like in, on 4th of July, be like, hey, can I get some RP2 sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this year at RP2, we found some ex- incredibly um, rare. rare Alaskan bush twigs. Yeah. So, fun fact, they only grow in Johnson Valley. Fun They're fact, only Dylan has jokes. That's what that is. <laughs> They, they only are found in Johnson Valley, the Alaskan bush twig. And Dylan was kind enough to um, excavate these. And uh, he was also the curator of their meaning. And uh, there's a, a deep philosophical uh, background to these. And I'm actually <laughs> wearing one around my neck right now. It is an owl skull. And, and apparently they're bound to only one person. And if anyone touches them, they're bad luck. This is very true. I'm terribly sorry for anybody listening to this conversation. <laughs> no idea. As I said, we're doing this on two hours of sleep. So, And, again, they get really, really, really bored at RP2, and I guess Dylan started we, telling stories at today. Least we didn't start throwing rocks this time. So, <laughs> the only K&M axles we could find were still in K&M, so we thought it would be bad form to throw rocks at those. <laughs> so, yeah, we... Uh, as far as how our race went after that, we, we missed RP2 the first time. No, we what happened? You, 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 passed, you, us. you passed us. The first time we went past you. No. The second time. You turned it down. Yeah, so the second time, so the first time we went past them, the second time we had the opportunity to come past them, it, the course was marked terrible in that Awful. area, right? 
and there's a million different lines and it was like marked bad our gps throughout the day when we were down in the deep ravines it was like showing us off course it wasn't showing us on course we think it was something to do with the like satellite antenna but we came out of there we had no gps service we, like i was going one day randy's like no left I'm like turn left like nope nope right I'm like no go back back the other way i'm like nate which way do i need to radio out to nate i said They've been standing there. They've been watching people drive. Like, Nate, which way do I need to go? Because Randy don't have a freaking clue where I need to go. So at this point, I'm literally standing on top of the North Star trying to see them at probably 300 yards away and see which line they're on and trying to direct them to the trail they need to be on. And following the correct race course was the exception, not the rule. Almost every car that left RP2 the second time went the wrong way. So we end up going into pit, and I don't know who those guys were. You guys must, must have been friends with them because those guys came over. Those guys were super cool, helped us out, told us where to go. We reset the uh, satellite antenna on the race car, um, which I think it picked GPS back up after that. And then you said you wanted the spare, so I made a hell run back to Hammertown. Yeah, so we had run. So we have two satellite antennas, one we had on the pre-runner and one we had on the race car. And the pre-runner we had run with the whole the whole time all week and no problems at all even in the deep ravines in the valleys and the race car we had all kinds of problems with it today we drove some of the race today with no no gps we drove some of the race today with no communication it was we had our hands full today really yeah like we left in a desert loop and we did great right off the start gps was working we were right on track and next thing i know you know i look up and look at course i look back down and we're 200 feet to the left of the course and i'm like i know this is course we've pre-ran this three twice yeah, actually that section i think we was on three times and uh i'm like just keep going we're just gonna follow 200 feet to the left of course at this point and it did that all day it would come back on go back off and every once in a while I just lose it all together and in the deep rock ravines it become a big problem because you know everything was the, the corners the turns were too tight it wasn't in like the desert where it was very spread apart yeah, and another part of the rock ravines is so the uh, the iPad screen, you know, when you rotate an iPad, it changes direction. Like, it'll turn around, and I think it does that with the GPS, too, because I'll be staring at the GPS, and we'll come up to a corner, we'll slow down, hit the brake, and we'll go over a rock, and all of a sudden the screen would flip over. And now it's telling me the wrong direction, plus we're 200 feet off course. Yeah. So... Circling back to the guys that Cody mentioned just a minute ago about helping us out. These gentlemen were for, from North Carolina, I believe. Georgia. Georgia. Okay, they were from Georgia. And the guy had hired a paid pit crew to come out and help him with this race. So this morning, when he started to go line up for the race, he had no pit crew. He couldn't find them. He, went, he started the race. When he got to RP1, they were supposed to be there. They were not. When he got to Maine, they were supposed to be there. They were not. So when he makes it out to RP2, and we're standing there, and these two buddies of his that he has called that just showed up to help him now, uh, they have no equipment. So we helped them change tires. We helped them fuel the car. We helped them with everything. And they literally still had our jack under the guy's wife's Pro four, four. Seat, pro four <laughs> that she apparently is very particular about, and it is beat 
it's got two broken wheels on it, four flat tires, and they're going nowhere in it anytime soon. Yep. So, did you guys, were you able to talk to each other all day long? So, I guess we can kind of run down some of the issues we had today. We uh, lost a tire out of the get-go, then we lost, had two clutch problems, and then what, leaving from getting the clutch fixed, um, the car has intercoms, so what it means is basically you just talk in your helmet, and the helmet picks it up and gives it to the person next to you, so you can just have like full-blown conversations, and it's totally fine, totally clear, no problem. That's how you navigate with each other. And we left the main pit and had no communication. Just dead. Dead. Absolutely dead. And we, we had been fighting electrical issues multiple times throughout the last couple of weeks also. And I think it boils down to there's a short or a loose connection or something somewhere. And uh, watching the GoPro footage, I was getting frustrated. You know... On your behalf, I, like I was thinking, like how frustrated I would be in that situation. I mean, we had a hundred miles ahead of us yet with no communication, and like let me tell you, out here at the speeds you're running, you have to be talking to each other all the time. And well, we went to a system that I basically said, so the comms were coming in and out, so like they'd be, they we'd have them, and then they'd go away. We have them, and then they go away. So what I said was, let's go do like a one, two, three. One, one is red, two is yellow, three is green. And just hold your fingers up. And what I mean by that is, like, when we pre-run, we mark the course red, yellows, and greens. That's how we know how fast we can go on that part of the course. Um, and we went we did that for a long time. And then we hit a bump somewhere and had them the whole rest of the day. But I'm talking, we probably went 30 miles, 30 miles without them. Yeah, probably at least 30 miles. All I know is my arm was getting sore. Because so you were... You had your arm extended out over the dashboard, knife handing like this way, that way, and then holding up fingers of how fast to go. Exactly. Luckily, we've had a lot of practice on doing it by hand because the last two races we ran, we kind of ran in the same thing. We lost communications. Yeah, we did. So, and it, it's crazy. You know, we put all new comm system in the car, you know, before we come out here and still had problems. But hey. We gained uh, we gained communication back, and that was the main thing that mattered. Yeah. So, um, what uh, what what would you say was your biggest problem that you faced today? So, I would say the GPS not working cost us the most amount of time. I, I, maybe I'm wrong on that. Randy says no. The I G- think it's rolling the car over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I made the highlight reel. It's pretty cool. A hell of an advertisement for everybody on the side of the car because we were in Jack. Maybe um, we should put some stickers on the bottom. <laughs> I suggested that last year, and he's like, no, no one's ever going to see the bottom. So I'll, I'll fast forward, I guess. I was in Jack. Randy was out of the car. We knew we were going to winch in Jack. We already had plans. We were going to winch in Jack. And I said, hey, jump out, get there. There's already a traffic jam there. There's already, I don't know how many cars was jammed up in Jack. Um, so Randy had got out to uh, kind of scope the situation out. And out here, it's kind of weird. You help your competitor because if he's in your way on an obstacle to get over it, like you help him winch or whatever you got to do, throw rocks, whatever you need to do to get him out of your way because you can't go past him if he's in your way plugging up a trail. And... Uh, we had a great qualifying position, and it was key to the race. And when we had the clutch issues like we did, it put us into Thor with the first really, really hard section late. 
And I don't know. We pulled into Thor. It was a freaking traffic jam. I mean, 8, 10, 11 cars, something like that in Thor, all jammed up, balled up. And Randy got out. was like, well, I'm going to go help these guys winch and throw rocks. And he did. And we got moving through it. And I think we sat there for 40 minutes. I got, Actually, I took some Snapchats today from Thor sitting, sitting in the car. I had my helmet off and everything yeah. else because you have to go through that section. You can't bypass it. So when they're there... You just got to help people get out of the way so you can kind of keep moving forward. Um, so we did, Randy did that and uh, we, we got through there. But uh, in Jack, I Randy was out of the car and walking forward with the winch cable in his hand. And I don't even know what happened, but I just did something. And the next thing I know, I about ripped the winch cable out of Randy's hand because I just flopped it almost, almost all the way on its lid. And it was, a, it was a chore to get it on its wheels. I remember hanging from my harnesses and thinking, like, if he can't get me up pretty soon, I'm going to have to get out because the blood is, like, rushing to my head crazy. And uh, between the jack and some super ingenuity snatch block crazy, I remember at one point I'm laying upside down. He's hooking the winch cable to the back of the roll cage. And I'm like, wait a second. The winch is in the front. Why are you hooking the winch cable to the back of the roll cage? But I'm not going to argue with you. We're just going to see how this goes, but this is not going to go good. And the next thing I know, we're winching. I get flipped right back on my wheels. Like, well, that worked. Jeep stuff. <laughs> Jeep stuff. The funny part is there is a uh, trail monitor, I guess, whatever, you know, a guy that kind of stood on the trail that was with the race. He come down and was, like, watching, like, super close. And I was like, what are we doing? Is he, like, a safety guy? Are we going to get teched for doing something wrong? And all of a sudden, when that hits the wheels, he looks at me. That was awesome. <laughs> he was a fan. <laughs> he was taking pictures, actually. I've seen it. So uh, we rolled it upside down in Jack. That cost us a bunch. Um, but it didn't really cost us much much time because there was such a traffic jam in Jack. By the time we got flipped back on our wheels, we were able to get up Jack. There's no one there. Um, but the GPS not working when it should have been working in the ravines um, cost us some you know, time where we're, there was no one in front of us and so on and so forth. And that's not Randy's fault. That's just electronic glitching and not, I guess you could say, not running the uh, the best um, GPS software that's out there. And we come back out here next year, we're going to have it. Mm-hmm. So I guess what's next? You want to talk about the, the final push to the finish line? Is that what's next? Yeah, so we got up Jack. I remember getting up Jack and thinking, okay, that's it. We did Thor. We did Jack. Those are the two big ones that me and Randy had pre-ran and had some troubles on, and we had winched on. And a few other times, um, we had some other issues kind of before that. I thought I heard an axle break one time, and then we got in a section, and I remember Randy said, I'll get out and winch. I'm like, no, one more time. And I've learned from way back in the day, you don't ever say one more time because that's when things go bad. And it it I it dead sounded like a broken axle. And I shut the car off. I didn't even try to back up. Well, broken axle, let's figure out how we're gonna get this changed. And Randy jumps out and I was like, Broke Randy? He's like, No, not broke. So I just started up, backed right up and it worked just fine. But I think it broke the front diff at that time. The it I don't know I'm gonna say it broke it. It definitely hurt the front differential. Um so we got two jack, we're upside down. We get flipped back over in jack on our wheels after being upside down for a while. And I have no brakes because the master cylinder ran dry because it was upside down. Mm. And we have two-wheel drive. 
going up jack, two-wheel drive, no four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, two-wheel drive. And I don't know what it was. I I killed the car or something. I don't know what it was. It, something happened. All of a sudden, four-wheel drive came back. I'm like, okay, we got four-wheel drive. Like, we're not stopping now. Like, let's keep moving. And when we got up on top of jack and four-wheel drive was work, working, we knew we just had to try to bring her, bring her home. And we ran all the, all the course, the rest of the course as smart as we could. We did not push the car. We winched any time that it was even a question, knowing that four-wheel drive was already in the situation that it was in. And uh, by this time, the car has got a lot of horsepower, and it's tuned to the clutches that were on the car. And we put like we mismatched clutches and did a factory or a factory secondary and a um, fancy primary. And the belt was not loving it. I'd slipped it a few times, so I knew I needed to get home without tearing the belt up. The four-wheel drive was hurt, so we're just we're just we're we're in finish mode at this point. Survival mode, yeah. Because ultimately, it's an endurance race. And you can be the fastest car out there, but if you don't cross the line, it's all for naught. Well, yeah, and, you know, it's funny. We, we sat in, a, with, in tech with a guy, and Randy made great friends with him. He'd been out here for how many years, Randy, and never finished, never one time finished. Yeah, he's uh, actually raced the race for six years, says he's been coming for nine. He's never finished. And, you know, finishing this race is a feat in itself, period, just period. And... At that point, that's what the mindset we were in was was to finish. And uh, we came out here last year, finished our first time, and I kind of wanted to make a statement to finish our second, you know, kind of finish two in a row. And uh, we were definitely uh, shooting for that and going for that, and uh, we were able to make it happen. But not without without a last-minute hike at the very, very end of the race. And before you get to that point, (coughs) when when Cody comes through pit or remote pit two for the last time, it's there's like no feeling like it i mean everybody goes from i think some people were like napping at that point oh yeah because we've been out there all day and it's like school's out for summer everybody's just freaking <laughs> out everybody's like we gotta get back throwing all, and hollering yeah everybody we're, we're going i mean it doesn't matter if he's got to push this thing to the finish line it's going at that point yeah, is it how we feel because historically if you can make it through rp2 the very last time you're going to finish the race because there's nothing challenging ahead of you that it's it's smooth sailing from rp2 to home it's it's nothing it's nothing crazy it's what was it 30 more miles or something i think it was right at 23 miles left over yeah and and only hard section was down um turkey aftershock. well aftershock yeah that's not even that big a deal that hard yeah, but um, then tur- we had Turkey Claw. I knew we had Turkey Claw ahead of us. Um, pretty challenging up, not terrible, down. Let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about we leave Remote Pit 2 the third time. We go through one more rock trail and it opens up in the desert. Now we got a car that we've just been beating a tar out of in the rock, slipping the belt. the belt. And, you know, you don't really know the extent of the damage when you pull out in the desert. Now you want to run 65 mile an hour you know, cross the lake bed right after you're done. I've, to me, I don't know if I've ever said this, but I feel like that's the most dangerous part of this race right there. Yeah, you know, you're bouncing these things through the rock and just, I mean, we'll talk about the knuckle situation pretty soon, but we could have fractured that knuckle and it could have broken 60 mile an hour. And that'd just been, a, we'd been a ball of metal out there. In the or a shock floor. bolt. That's yeah. exactly what I was getting at. I mean, we, I, I remember talking about like, man, these shocks are so much better than we thought, you know. We just we wanted to open it up. We wanted to feel what it was going to be like. Wanted to air that car out, but it's like, stay reserved. We got to finish. We got to take it easy. Yep. And you know, 
We so we we were running a, 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 a at this point I'm going to say an extreme reserved pace because we're on the home stretch. Like Dylan said, if you make it through RP two, you're going to almost always cross the finish line. And when I say almost always, <laughs> the last two years I've raced this race, I have left RP two, thinking I'm going to go to the finish line, and I break something in the steering both times. Wow! One time was about two miles out of RP two, and the other time was this time was two miles from the finish line from RP two. And you're not the only one, because one of the top five competitors of this race today, who was a favorite to be top three, shredded a belt three hundred yards before the finish line, and him and his co-driver got out and pushed the car over the finish line. So. It's not reserved for us weekend warriors. He's a full factory ride, full-time race car driver, and he shredded a belt on the finish line lap. Yeah, you know, that things, the stuff happens. And uh, we come into Turkey Claw. Um, there's a big uphill, big uphill. I'm Probably the biggest uphill on the whole race course. Um, not nothing super technical, just super steep, super loose rock, and... I already got a hurt belt. You're not backing down from it. If you're backing down from it, you're going for a ride. And I, the four-wheel drive works when it wants to. And also, the brakes work when they want to at this point. So we come around that corner, and I was like, well, Randall, here we go. And we actually checked up for a minute because there's one guy in front of us that we wanted his dust to clear off the hill so we could get a you know good, seat, good look at it because we didn't want to take any chances of wheel placement being wrong and hurting the diff even more or whatever. And we shot it. And when we crested that hill, I said that this is it. I mean, in my head, I was like, this is it. I just did it. We just drove this thing across the finish line two, two years in a row. And I'll be damned if it wasn't 30 yards later. We're coming through Turkey Claw, probably pushing a little harder than we should have because we uh, were chasing this Can-Am that passed us in the desert. And Randy's like, it's okay. You'll get him in the rocks. You'll get him in the rocks. And Randy's right. Well, that's because... The right before the desert section, I think it was in aftershock. We passed this guy in the rocks. We, we ran him down. He didn't want us to pass. We kept running him down. We finally made a pass on him, and then we kept ahead of him most of the desert. And he got us right at the end. Why we were trying to conserve the car. We well, we actually passed him twice. We passed him, and when we made that wrong turn, he passed us back, and we had to pass him again. And then he passed us in the desert. You know what I mean? So like, uh, Randy's like, get him in the rocks. I was probably running a little bit harder than I should have been. But nothing that I would say, you know, out of the ordinary. I think we just hit a rock wrong um, at the wrong time, and we busted a whole front lower billet knuckle, steering knuckle. I think it was fractured before. I don't think we hit anything that hard. In Turkey, yeah, I don't think think things so either. So I get out, I look at it, and I'm like, "What? how are we going to fix this? We do not have a knuckle with us. And I look down the trail, and it's just you know, boulders the size of automobiles that we got to drive over to get down. And I'm like, there's just no way. A ratchet strap's not going to hold this. That's not going to work. Um, I'm like, Randy, we're done. Second time I said it, that's the like, Randy, we're done. And he's like, no, no, we're not. We're going to fix this. And I'm like, dude, I'm looking at this. And there ain't no fixing this. There's nothing that's going to fix this. Like, zip ties aren't fixing this. Duct tape's not fixing this. Like, it's a major suspension component on the car that's broken in half. How far away from the uh, main pit are you at this point? Two miles, exactly. So I think there is, I think there is three races today. There's King of the Hammers for Cody, 
there is the pit crew trying to race back to see Cody cross the finish line, and then I'm going to let Randy tell him about the third race here. So when Randy gets out of the car, he's like, well, what do we need? I'm like, we need a front left knuckle. And he just, like, sets his helmet down. He's like, well, I'm going to go get one. And I'm like, you know what? That's legal. It's legal in this race for the crew, for the co-driver to walk to get parts or to run to get parts. It's totally legal. Or fuel or anything. Whatever it is. But nobody can bring him anything. No one can bring it to him. So Randy grabbed a bottle of water from the officials and started his two-mile hike in uh, Hammertown to get a knuckle out of our out of our tub and then uh, his two-mile hike back to me. And in the meantime, I had it all tore apart, and I think Randy has a lot to say about his uh, little marathon he ran today. Well, I, just like Cody said, I mean, he said, we're done, and I'm like, we can't be done. And, I mean, we've still got daylight. I'm like, it's... Is we're too close not to finish. Yeah, we had two hours, two hours and ten minutes actually. So the they closed the race course at six o'clock. So anyone that is doesn't finish cross the finish line by six, you you time out right. And I mean, he had a four mile walk, two miles there, two miles back. Plus we had to put it back together. Like we had all kinds of time. I mean, we had, I mean, we finished with an hour to spare. You know, so when he's like, I'll just go get one. I'm like, Yeah, that's right. We can do that. That's a thing. Like hell yeah. Take off. Make it happen. Yeah, so I, I start my hike down the down Turkey Claw. I was probably a little aggressive on the first part of the hike. I was actually kind of running down the rock section, and, you know, the official throws me a bottle of water. He's like, man, you need this. I said, hell yeah, give that to me, and I take off. And these guys are cheering me on as I'm running down through t- Turkey Claw. I come up out of Turkey Claw, and I just caddy corner as a crow flies straight to Hammertown through campers and – Riggs Park, and it's all downhill. I'm like, hell, this ain't bad. And I ran probably the first <laughs> three-quarter mile. And uh, these guys going through the camp, some of them are just looking at you weird. Some of them are like, you can hear them talking amongst themselves. Oh, he must be broke somewhere. And the other guys are like cheering you on. You need a beer, you know. <laughs> Another thing you have to realize about Randy's run is we're not in the Midwest. It was not dirt and grass. It's sand. And yeah, it's deep soft, sand. Soft, deep soft sand. sand. That is a change. And that is you, a game changer. And then you hit a rock that's not soft and <laughs> like sand. And what you're not talking about, he's in full race gear. He's in a triple layer fire suit making this hike through the desert. So thinking back, I feel like you should have accepted the beer and then given it to us at the finish line. And then we could have cheers to you when you crossed. My bad, my bad. <laughs> so, I didn't want to carry any more weight I had to. So Randy, Randy makes the hike, and in the meantime, I already have it. I, I, I could when Randy, when by the time I had the car up ready for the new part, I could still see Randy walking, and I sat there for a while, and the car wasn't really jacked that well, so I started stacking some rocks, making a jack stand. Maybe we can use that as a display picture for this for this shoot. But uh, then I let the car down and repositioned it. And then I realized, like, I didn't need all these tools, so I started, like, putting the tools away and organizing my parts and just kind of hung out, wait for Randy to get back. And what's crazy is Randy took a four-mile hike, basically, and only three cars passed me in that amount of time. That's how big and open this race is. And mind you, we're still all sitting back in the pits like, okay. Like, we kind of got hyped up again because we saw Randy and he's – grabs the backpack gets on his hike going which, back which up. you got to talk about that we went and got the parts yeah and we just we were d- discussing amongst ourselves what we needed to give to randy just to give him the best chance of success and 
were not having really great radio communication. And Jason actually came up with the idea. He had a backpack with us full of snacks. He runs into the razor, dumps all his snacks out of the ra- out of the backpack, and we throw the knuckle and an impact in the in the in the backpack. I was very very thankful for that backpack. And uh, we finally, for some reason, Cody's up there sending Snapchats and realizes he has five G. And he calls me and clarifies what we actually need. You have a front left knuckle, right? Yes. <laughs> Which we need to work. We need to work on our on our radio communication because you need. Do we need to go left? We need to go left here, right? Like, right? Yeah, we need to go left. <laughs> Wait, time out. What are you talking about? So anyway, we get the knuckle that we need. We don't need the impact. Whatever. We finally, you know. The, the pit crew and Randy kind of cross paths a couple times, and we finally get the parts in the backpack to Randy. He makes his trek back and go from there. And he was he was looking like he was in good shape. I mean, he was had his, like, high hopes. We're all getting amped up at this point. We're like, all right, back on track. Everything's good. And I think it was probably, like, five five minutes later maybe. We hadn't heard anything from anybody. And when I say that this group holds, like, <laughs> such good positivity it made my day randy came over the mic and he goes guys we got like randy how you doing he said guys i am no I, longer at race pace <laughs> i had radio to randy and i said randy how close are you because sam had sent me a message and said hey randy's on his way back and i kind of figured out the time and he should be pretty close and i had radioed out and said hey randy you know just how close are you no rush but just just kind of checking on you and he said, I'm, I'm coming back, but I'm not at race pace. <laughs> oh, man. It was it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. The trek back was the was difficult. It, uh, I left I left pit, you know. I'm like, hell, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a second to rest for a couple seconds. Another fresh bottle of water over my head. Another one in my hand to drink. And uh, I'm walking back. I got a backpack. I'm like, this is not going to be too bad. It and was I, uphill. And then I realized it's all uphill in sand but you guys want to hear one of the funniest parts absolutely i'm walking down you know uh to hammertown super easy you're sitting up high you're looking straight into hammertown i'm like hell this is easy walk straight line i turn around start walking back and i look up and i see ridges and dust i'm like oh shit which one's freaking turkey claw (laughs) (laughs) no did not bring the lead now with you no, I mean, I had a general vicinity, and uh, I'm walking back, and, I'm, you know, and I kind of noticed different rigs on the way in, and I'm like, I remember that one. That was a cool Jeep. You know, hell, that's a cool Toyota. <laughs> hell, there was a hot chick working on that Toyota when I walked by. <laughs> Those know? are the kind of landmarks we need. A solid axle swap this, a one-ton that, and a big booty gal over here in yoga pants. <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of how I use my landmarks to get back. And then like, like everybody's seen me, so I pretty much walked the same path. I'm like, there was pretty quiet. You can hear a couple people talking on the way there, and a couple people talking to me. But on the way back, there was like cheering me on. Hey, you need a ride? I'm like, man, everything in my body's telling me to take the ride, but I knew that was illegal against the rules. So I'm like, I'm just gonna keep on trucking it. Yeah, when he came around the corner in Turkey Claw, like you, like just applause. Like everyone that was sitting on the edges, you know, spectator wise, they had. They had watched us break. They had watched him leave. They had watched me take the car apart. You know, this has been going on over the 30, 40 minutes of time frame here now. 
and when he came walking back, like everyone just started cheering and applauding, and it was pretty cool, you know, coming up through Turkey Claw whenever he was bringing the part back. And he got back, and I'm like, just sit down, dude. Here's a water, sit down. I'll put this thing back together from here. And I let him. And we uh, put it back together, and it the alignment was way out of whack because the different style knuckle we were using, and I just limped it as much as I possibly could across the finish line. The car had lost brakes earlier in jack, and it was really weird. They would, like, come and go, but after Turkey Claw, like, there was no brakes. We come across the finish line, which, is you know, normally you're, like, wide open, balls out, air the car out, big jump. I, I couldn't do that. It was The car was so hurt. It was just literally get it across the finish line. And uh, we come around the corner, and I was, like, ready to get out of the car. I was ready to kind of celebrate with everybody, and there the flagger lady was trying to get me to stop. And I had seen her. I'd seen her wave the red flag for me to stop to so she could take the transponder and the v- VCP and stuff out of the car. That had all the bolts still intact, yeah, I might add. All the bolts still intact. Didn't. I'm pretty sure they would have worked. They didn't rob none from my clutch. But uh, I, I was trying to stop, and she was, like, getting mad, like, like stop. I'm like, I- I'm trying to stop. Your whole picker <laughs> is screaming at you. And I'm like, I have. You don't think I'm trying? <laughs> Yeah, like, I have no brakes, people. I'm trying to stop, but I can't. Yeah, she came up to my window, and she was, like, almost, like, upset. And I'm like, sorry, hon. We got no brakes. And then she just started laughing. Yeah, then they pulled us, pulled us up on the podium. I'm like, now, listen, I have no brakes, so don't let me drive off the other side. So, so we, uh, we got to drive it up on the podium. This year, that was super cool. Last year, they did, like, a little live video thing afterwards, and we weren't able to do that. So it was super neat to be up on the podium this year and, uh, and get to experience that. My favorite part, aside from you actually being able to drive on the podium, which was – how was that a feeling? How did that feel? It was emotional. I need, I, honestly, I needed a minute because, like, you drive up on the podium and, you know, everyone's looking at you. And, like, if, if anyone truly knew what it takes to get here and what it takes to do this and the, the feelings and the people you meet and the things you go through, like, it's emotional. Like, it's like you accomplish something you set out to do that isn't supposed to be able to be done and you do it. I needed a minute. Like I needed a minute to gain my barrier, and I didn't ever get that minute, you know. And um, if anyone knows me, I got a huge heart, and I, I, I will show it. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these tough guys. I've never claimed to be a tough guy, you know. I, 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 I want the best for everybody, and I needed a minute up there because I was, I was holding it together. Let's just say that. So the, the guy that the interviewer guy comes up and starts talking to you, they're. They're in like a commercial break or whatever for the live feed and charging their equipment or whatever. And like, I we we're all like taking pictures and videoing our pictures of you sitting on the podium, which was a super awesome feeling for me anyway. I'm sure everybody else involved too. And uh, I, I, the only thing I was thinking, I was like, they're going to be at commercial break for however long and someone else is going to come in. They're going to push Cody off the podium, not give him his five minutes of fame or whatever. And uh, I guess I, I whatever you want to say, like my thoughts or whatever going into that were you know brushed aside quickly when they were like oh no 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 we'll get the microphones over here and i was like oh that's cool but then like poetic justice the guy starts interviewing you and they're going through the highlight reels and right as he starts interviewing you it's the video of you rolling over in jack (laughs) yeah so it's gonna be super cool because they'll probably use that highlight reel on things you know up until next year and it is us rolling almost 180 in jack right we're pulling the podium it's just kind of one of them things this morning we started off with uh 
Randy walked out of the camper at legitimately the exact same time or in the exact same fire suit as I did this morning. So, uh, hey, we started the morning off great, and we sure ended her great, you know? So Cody mentioned a minute ago about the emotions being high on the podium. And they were, and I'm, I'm kind of a soft guy also. And, and Cody gave me a big hug, and then and then Randy came over and gave me a big hug, and that was pretty pretty cool moment for me, you know, watching these two cross the finish line. And when Randy gave me a big hug, I quickly realized that there was a, also another byproduct of his four-mile <laughs> hike through the desert. He smelled like a goat. Yeah, his back was soaking wet. I, I remember, like, giving him a pat on the back as I'm hugging him, and it's, like, soggy. And I was like, wipe my hand on my pants. Like, well, I'm not really sure what was going on there. But, hey, everyone else, you take a turn hugging this guy. <laughs> I do have to apologize for that. I was probably quite the stinky kid because, holy cow, I sweated so much making that hike. He was but, wearing a triple-layer fire suit all the way there and all the way back. But uh, it was warm today too, and it was warm. It was, it was nice. He it took a sh- well. he took a shower before dinner, just just for everybody's in the trailer's sake. I, I did not because I was starving. I had RCV axle grease all out of my elbows from changing that knuckle. But I was so hungry that I uh, stayed full fire suit and had had dinner. And I, we got back to camp. You know. No, I want to go through like when I went up on the podium. You know, and you're right. It's emotional. It's like, man, this is the first time I've ever done this co-driving thing out here, and I've freaking. And we did it. We made it all the way through. And uh, I get up there, and keep in mind, my door has not opened since the second half of the rocks. I've been crawling in out of the damn window. (laughs) And uh, not only that, the door's, like, almost ready to fall off. So I, like, I crawled out the window. I so badly just want to stand on the edge of the door and put my hands up. But I know if I put all my weight on that door, it's going to fall off the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... When we flopped it in Jack, we hurt the passenger door big time. And, you know, traditional race cars have, you know, no no open and closing doors. But King of Hammer cars, you want the doors open and closed because you're in and out of the cars a lot throughout the race course, especially the co-driver, you know, and pulling winch cable and things like that. So, it, you know, that's why our car has doors that open and close. And our car is still not easy to get in and out of. And, you know, there's other guys that still crawl through a window hole and stuff. But, man, I could never imagine doing that out here. It would be terrible. Yes. So there's a couple more things I want to do before we call, wrap this one up. Um, if you guys need something else, interject here. But first off, um, we forgot to mention, uh, not a like not on purpose, but just came to mind, a, not to be mean or anything, but we just forgot to mention Mr. John Flowers is one hell of a guy. He's local out here. And we met him two years ago on accident. He's local to Illinois. And he was here for us no matter what we needed. He stayed up till 3 a.m. with us last night, helped us get the car prepped. While we were doing the hard stuff, he was, you know, visually checking every single electrical component. He was zip-tying wires that could be chafed. And he was just, I mean, he was a member of the crew this year. And I just want to personally shout him out and say thanks for all your help this year. Yeah, speaking of that, I think I still owe him some money for an axle nut socket you brought me because I kind of forgot about that. But we'll uh, take care of you on that, John. Um, you know, you're right. We, like, ran into him. Like, oh, I'm from uh, Marshall. Marshall, yeah. Marshall, I'm like, uh, oh, we're from El- Effingham, Illinois. Like, a couple of years ago we met him. And then last year, and um, now he's just part of the family, you know. Come in, have dinner with us, you know, the whole the whole deal. And 
he's a just a good guy, genuine guy, and uh, kind of keeps uh, keeps us in post of what's going on out here. And he and was mess he was messaging us. You know, there's a traffic jam here. This guy's broke. I think he was at Turkey Claw this yeah, morning. The last two years, he has uh, went to the tough sections and kind of like spotted me through them and tell me what lines to take. And that's pretty cool to do. Um, he knows this lay of the land really well. So uh, it's it's neat to have him out here for sure. And honestly, wish he could spend more time out here with us. I told him next year, make sure if we do this next year, make sure I get him some crew, crew, crew chief shirts because uh, he deserves it. He was uh, so dedicated to our team that he didn't even go back to his camper because it was 3 in the morning. So he slept in his truck knowing that he was going to be back out here helping us at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm uh, not surprised at all there. And then the only other thing I've got, Dylan, you got anything? No, not really. I mean, other than the fact that, like, it, for me it was like <clears> – <throat> just what these guys said it was like a movie finish it was great um it was just one of those things where we have such a good fun team that get getting to experience that was it's just something special so it's really cool you know this isn't for everybody but if they ever have an opportunity to come out here and do this even if it's just with another team you know crew chiefing and pitting um do it, it this is incredible out here i mean it is the, the the countryside is beautiful the people are amazing and there is action-packed stuff going on all day long, all night long. It's literally a town, middle of the desert. Anything he wants here, it's just great. Speaking of that, Randy, ice cream is going to close in 15 minutes. We better get going. So one last thing before we go. Nate, go ahead. Wrap. I learned one other thing today. As Cody was coming into uh, main pit, he needed to know where we had set up. And I got on the radio and said, when you come <laughs> off the course into the pits we are at the far north end and his response to me was immediately <laughs> immediately i look at i look at dylan and dylan tells you i don't remember what dylan told me go ahead i said cody don't know directions <laughs> oh you yeah, tell him at yes. the end of the freaking pits. Yes. <laughs> dylan tells me cody don't know directions but cody immediately responds with i'm a driver <laughs> i don't know north tell me where you're at yeah, so me and Randy had this conversation earlier in the week. You know, as a as a driver, you it's, it's not something you do to figure out where you're going, right? That's the co-driver's job. And uh, Randy was trying to explain to me, like, listen, Randy, you got to understand, like, I don't know. you. I have zero idea what you're talking about. Don't know at all. I don't recall directions. And uh, I think I, I called it out today on the intercom. He, he said, he said, up here we got a right uh, right-hander and it's off-cambered. And I'm like... Your GPS tablet doesn't tell you it's off-cambered. Well, how do you know it's off-cambered? I'll be damned. We pull across the ridge. It's a right-hander off-camber. And I said, how do you remember that? We only pre-ran that section one time, and you remembered that. It's just super crazy to me. Yeah. That just, uh, I mean, your, your brain's filled with a lot more other information than, you know, trying to memorize race courses, I yeah. guess. So, uh, you know, on, on behalf of me, I definitely want to thank everyone again for coming out here to do this and thank everyone for back home for listening. I did our best to try to make time out of our, of our week to uh, shoot these because I think people enjoy them. And uh, I enjoy that you guys, you know, follow along and get in tune to what we got going on. And uh, appreciate everybody from everything, everybody from the people back home at the shop uh, keeping it up and rolling for me. Um, I've been gone for two weeks, and now I'm taking off for Vegas to uh, bring the KOH car, which is ex looks like a demolition derby car now, to the AIM Expo for Highlifter. Um, they want it on display in their booth there. So 
I'm going to head there from here, and uh, it'll be three weeks-ish plus before I get back to Illinois. And uh, you guys have been great. It's been great doing this. And uh, until next year, right? And and that's what I was going to say, you know, to wrap this up. The sponsorship help this year has been phenomenal. I'd like to shout out your sponsors because, that, like you mentioned earlier about High Lifter and the extra stuff, like just that peace of mind that comes with their support goes uh, just – Oh, long way in making our experience out here that much better. Yeah, I'm going to have to tell the tire guy you lost his tires out in the desert now. One, you know? <laughs> one tire. One tire. I'm sorry. So, you know, again, this race has always been known as like the toughest one-day off-road race in the world. And finishing this race alone is a feat in itself. And we did that last year. And honestly finished well last year. We didn't finish as good this year as we did last year. Um but I was able to pick up some good support from that. I'm, you know, being that I'm in the industry, that helps also. And uh, it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I do. So I picked up some good help. So AMS Tires has always been a sponsor of mine. They kind of came out with a, um, a, a bigger M2 um, just kind of for what we got going on, which is super cool. And I am working on a tire with those guys right now. That's going to be what I'm going to call like the, uh, I want to call it the M6 is what I want to call it. We're gonna square it off more, make it more of a squared flat flat tire than like a rounded tire. So it's cool to work with those guys and work with them direct. And you know, they, they take my input. They you know, how'd that tire do? What did it do? You know, what do people want on the on the retail side of things? So uh, we're working on designing a new tire that's gonna be more designed for East Coast guys with them. And then High Lifter that uh that came out of kind of nowhere through a conversation over dinner one night at a at a um, industry event, and they came on board big time this year, uh, along with All Balls Racing, Raceline Wheels, um, Seismic Jody at Seismic, absolutely great guy. Speaking of that, I was thinking today when I was driving the race car, beating the heck out of the mirrors, we have um, we have raced now King of the Hammers with the same mirrors two times. The same exact the set. same exact set of mirrors. That's impressive because we're not easy on them. No, no, and they're 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 hurt. They're beat a little bit, you know. A little rough, a little scratched. And if I called Jody and said, "Hey, I need some mirrors," he'd have me a set tomorrow. But Jody, if you're listening, I will take those off and I'll put those on the next one, and we'll try to put a three peat on those mirrors and see if they can make three king of the hammers. Hell yes. So yeah, Raceline mirrors, size um, seismic, all balls, high lifter, um, Corey at PPI. Uh, they tuned the car many, many, many different tunes this weekend. He even took care of me. Yeah, even took care of you. Tuned your car, tuned the pre-runner. Um, super great people over there. Uh, so if anybody needs anything from you know from many of these guys, I'm a, I'm a big person. Support the people that support you, kind of thing. And uh, um, definitely get with me. I can help you out with any of those things also. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed our Lake Bed broadcast. Um, we hope that you enjoyed it. I have one more massive thank you. I already thank the guys at the shop, Brett Lawrence from Motofab, because I built a Ranger at legitimately the last minute to bring out here, which was a lifesaver. It's got cab heat, the whole deal, right? And he kind of got super interested in this, and I would bet you, I would bet you, I'll, I'll, I'll make a bet with you, Sam, that okay. next year we could get him to come out here with us and pit. What are we betting? Um, I don't know. We'll talk about that. Okay. Ice cream. Ice oh, cream. I'm in. For the whole week. <laughs> All right. I'll um, do that. I think we could get him out here to come out here with us. Um, but he kind of took it upon himself to say, hey, listen, I know you got a lot going on. I know you got a lot to get done. 
let me do your ranger. And he took my ranger and he did it. And they did a good job, him and JC both. So, Brett, if you're listening, thank you very much. Um, definitely did not go unnoticed. And uh, I, I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. And uh, I guess until next year. Until next year. We'll probably, I'll probably be in your basement one of these days in the near future. To record a podcast. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's not some like crazy podcast of our trip home from Johnson Valley. You hopefully mean not locked up putting lotion on his skin? <laughs> <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket? Hey, I've been using Sam's working man hands every morning because it is so dry out hands, here. It is because crazy. it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> and hands get cracked and dried out here. Let's clarify. Oh, goodness. All right. It's time to go to bed, guys. Let's All say goodbye. Right, later. Goodbye. See you guys. See you later. Let's go get some ice cream. Hell yes.